heavy. Boy, this morning, I want to continue in the (laughs) book of Romans. We ended last week in chapter 5, where Paul presented this truth. Where sin abounds, grace much more abounds. Amen? Let's go before the Lord in prayer. Lord, I thank you that grace abounds. Lord, I thank you that this, this message is just, it's such a powerful message of, of what we're chained to. Lord, I thank you for your grace, for your mercy. I pray that those who have ears to hear would hear this morning. Lord, that as I speak, they wouldn't be my words, but your words. Lord, not your thoughts, my, not my thoughts, but your thoughts, Lord. Lord, let me just be used as an instrument this morning. I thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Where sin abounds, grace much more abounds. Paul continues with this truth in chapter 6, and he starts off by bringing us a question. It's a natural question that surrounds it. Because we say where sin abounds, grace abounds even more, right? So 6 verse 1 says this, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? Paul brings up a question for those who would look at grace and say, wow, that's great. Because of grace, now I can do what I want. Because of grace, now I can live any way that I please. They would be tempted to take advantage of grace by continuing to live in sin. After all, if grace covers my sin, then whether or not I sin doesn't matter. If grace covers my sin, that's the idea a lot of Christians try to take advantage of. We accept Christ, we claim to be a Christian, but we still operate out of a sinful nature. Are we to continue in sin so that grace may abound? Paul says in verse 2, he says this, go ahead, by no means, of course not. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized unto Christ Jesus were baptized unto his death? By no means, of course not. The wording here indicates that people were asking a question they already knew the answer to. How many ever asked a question you already know the answer to? Come on. Honey, are you sure you don't want me to buy that boat? (laughs) Mom, mom, are you sure that I can't go to that concert? Come on, you you answer the question. You you ask the question. You already know the answer. Do we keep sinning so that grace will abound? Well, of course not. How can we who have died in sin still live in it? We've died to sin. How can we live in it still? Remember that when you accepted Christ, you're no longer referred to as a sinner. Somebody say amen. You're no longer referred to as a sinner. People say, well, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. That's a lie from the pit of hell. That is a lie from the pit of hell. Bible doesn't call you a sinner anymore. The Bible refers to you as righteous. 
What we do is we say, well, you know, I'm just a sinner saved by grace, so, so the Lord will excuse me. Right? It's a lie. It's been pushed for years. People say it all the time. Especially, I mean, if when you get into, when you get into, you know, I'm going to go off on a little rabbit trail. Is that okay? Gary, is that okay? I'll go off on a rabbit trail. Yeah, that's okay? Good. If he had said no, I'd still keep going. That's okay. <laughs> How many ever been to a boring church? I have. How, I mean, I mean, you go to a church that's dead. There's no life. It's all. It's all about reciting prayers. Stand up. Sit down. Stand up. Sit your. Sit down. Clap your hands. Shake your foot. Move around. Right. Come on. You do the hokey pokey. You do the religious hokey pokey, hoping that somehow that makes you good enough. Hoping that somehow that'll, that, that'll pay your way to heaven. We get stuck in these dead, dying churches because my, my grandfather went there and my father went there and my sister goes there and my, my family's gone there. Uh, and I don't want to, I don't want to go off on anybody specifically today, but you get into this mode of just because I've gone there in the past, it's where I have to go forever. Right? And so people get in this mindset. There's a, there's a mindset in dead churches. A mindset in dead churches. When you're in a dead church, you can live however you want as long as you're there on Sunday. It's the way a lot of Christians act. It's the way a lot of Christians just say, well, you know, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. That is a lie that came from dead churches. Before Christ, you lived in sin. Before Christ, you lived in sin. You were dead in your sins. You were bound for damnation. But when you accepted Christ in your life, your eternal direction shifted from eternal damnation to eternal glory with God. Amen? How can you go from death to life but continue to live as if you're still dead? You said, Pastor David, this, this message is getting heavy. Yes, it's getting heavy. Quite literally, Dale. This message is going to get a little punchy. I told somebody I was talking about Romans 6, and they said, ooh, I can't wait for, for Romans 7. That's going to be good too. Next week is Father's Day, so it'll be a week after that. Don't you know that if you were baptized with Christ... That included being baptized unto his death. Christ was dead to sin. As a Christian, we should be too. Amen? What are you saying, Pastor David? I, I, I mean, I, we live in this world. Ow. <laughs> I know that, you know, there's real truth here. As a Christian who has accepted Christ, do you have the ability to live as Christ did, dead to sin. Verse 4 says this, We were buried therefore with him by baptism unto death. He's speaking, uh, uh, he goes into like speaking about water baptism. 
In order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of God, we too might walk in newness of life. Say newness of life. Paul emphasizes that we become alive in Christ, there will be a newness of life, right? There, you can't go from death to life and there not be a difference. You can't go from, from eternal damnation to eternal glory with God and there not be a difference. Verse 5 says this, For we have been united with Him in a death like His. We shall certainly be united with Him in a resurrection like His. I like that. There is a closeness associated between us and Christ. There's a closeness there. There's, we have been united with Him. John 15 says this, Jesus said this, You're going to live in Me, and I'm going to live or abide in you. Amen? I don't want to just walk around on my own. I want to live and abide in Christ. How can you have Christ living in you, but still living a life full of sin? How can you have Christ living in you, but still living a life full of sin? I tell you, this is not a popular message this morning. Right? It's not going to put me on Oprah's channel. It's not going to get me a sit-down with Joel Osteen. No, no. It's just not. It's not popular. Do not let the truth of grace lead you into believing that you may continue to live a sinful life and still be in right relationship with God. Ow. Verse 6 says this. We know that our old self was crucified with Him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. So that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. How many understand that before Christ we were enslaved to sin? Before Christ, you had the chains of sin in your life. You were bound by them. There was nothing you could do to get rid of them. It was our master. It dictated our coming and our going. We obeyed it regardless of the consequences. Drinking till you're drunk was just a part of life. But it's okay as long as I get a ride home. Engaging in pornography is just a normal part of being a guy. Gossiping with your girlfriends is just a a normal part of being a woman. Come on. Premarital sex is fine. It's a normal part of life. And pregnancy can, can easily be terminated because it's just a clump of cells at that point. These are the lies that that sin tells us. This is what ensnares us. This is what enslaves us. Don't worry, that STD can be treated and and nobody's going to tell you how to live your life. Nobody's going to tell you how to live your life. The problem is that before you came to Christ, sin was telling you exactly how you were going to live. Sin was telling you and you obeyed it willingly. The answer to being enslaved to sin is, how many know the answer to being enslaved to sin? It's to break free from the shackles of sin by having faith in Christ. Amen? 
Why would we go back to slavery? Why would we go back to meaningless sex and horrible hangovers and damaging rumors and guilt-ridden decisions that fill us with shame and leave us in pain? Verse 7 says this, Paul says this, For one who has died in Christ has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with Him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over Him. For the death He died, He died to sin, once and for all. But the life He lives, He lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. How many want to be, say, dead to sin? Alive in Christ. Say, dead to sin, alive in Christ. Where's Carol? Carol, say, dead to sin, alive in Christ. Doug, come on. Dead to sin, alive in Christ. Just making sure people are awake this morning. Don't let sin reign over your body. Don't let sin reign in your body to make you obey its passions. How many know that at times, as Christians, listen to this, how many know we let sin take over? Come on. I know there's a lot of perfect people here this morning, but I'm not. I'm not a perfect person. There's times where sin takes over. We obey its passions. We surrender to its calling. We give in to its temptation. Right? If there's ever a time for us to be honest with ourselves, it's now. There are times where as Christians we give in to sin. When just good Christian folk give in to sin. We don't always walk the right path, right? Men? Talk to the men a minute here. Men, you see that pretty woman walking down the street? That's not your wife. Your mind leads towards places you know it should not go. Right? Women? Your coworkers start talking about, about that person. Little Miss So-and-so. Before you know it, you're a part of the same conversation. Before you know it, you're, you're doing the very same thing. You're, you're, you're engaged in the same sin that they are. How, how many ever done this? You're driving down the road and someone cuts you off. How many ever been there? Someone cuts you off and you find yourself shouting profanities and you're using sign language to show them which way is up. Come on. (laughs) Why do Christians act this way? There are times when Christians just don't act like Christians should. Right? And then we excuse it. We do this. We go, well... I'm just glad to be under grace. Well, I'm just glad to be under grace. Sometimes, you know, sometimes that's reactionary. Sometimes it's not even reactionary, it's premeditated. Right? You know you're about to do wrong. You know you're about to engage in wrong, but instead of turning from it, you move forward because you go, well, well it's better to ask for forgiveness than permission. Well, it's better to ask forgiveness than permission. It's interesting. I looked that up as to where that saying came from. 
It came from a woman named Grace Hopper. She was in the uh, military. But when I looked it up, it's better to ask forgiveness than permission. The first thing that came up is, is that a Bible verse? (laughs) Is that a Bible verse? It's better to ask forgiveness. That's a dangerous place to be. It's better to ask forgiveness than permission is a dangerous place to be, right, Austin? Come on. Austin. <laughs> have you ever wanted, have you ever, uh, you wanted to buy something and you knew your wife wouldn't, uh, be happy with? How many men ever been there? Come on. You just knew. How many wives ever been there? You, my wife, what did you buy, honey? You got to say it's better to ask forgiveness than permission. That's a, see, that's the thing. You go, well, you know, oh boy, I was, I was driving down the road the other day and I saw a boat. Yeah. It's my weakness right now. I'm learning how to make a kayak on YouTube. It's not going to work out. I know. It's okay. <laughs> Maybe it will. I don't know. But I, I, I saw it. I, you know, oh, what if I, what if I just brought it home? What if I said nothing? What if I went and got it and just put it in the driveway? And when she came home from work, she'd see it and say, "What's that?" And I'd say, "Surprise." I'm telling you, it's better to ask for forgiveness than permission is not the key to a successful marriage. Right? It's an even less successful way to live a Christian life. It's an even less successful way. Why do we do this? Why do we as Christians live this way? I like what one commentary says. It says this, The old man is dead and there is new life free from sin in Jesus. Yet many Christians never experience this freedom. Many Christians never experience this freedom because of unbelief, self-reliance, or ignorance. Many Christians never live in the freedom that Jesus paid for on the cross. That we never live in the freedom that Jesus paid for on the cross. D.L. Moody used to speak of an old black woman in the South following the Civil War. She was a former slave, but she was confused about her status. And she, she asked this, she said, now is I free or been I not? When I go to my old master, he says I ain't free. And when I go to my own people, they say I is free. And I don't know whether I'm free or not. Some people claim, told me that Abraham Lincoln signed a proclamation, but master says he didn't. He didn't have any right to. Am I free or am I not? This is exactly the place many Christians are. This is exactly the place that a lot of Christians are. What can we do? How can we live in the freedom that God has for us? Go to the next slide. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Go to the next slide. Do not present your members to sin as instruments of unrighteousness. But present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life 
and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. It's interesting wording here. Do not present your members to sin as instruments of unrighteousness. What does that mean? Do not present your members to sin. I like what this says. It says, uh, commentary says, if a person lives in prison for years and then they're set free, they often still think and act like a prisoner. The habits of freedom aren't ingrained in their life yet. The habits of freedom aren't ingrained in their life yet. I want to tell you a story this morning. In the 14th century, there was two brothers and they were fighting over who got to rule what is called Belgium. The elder's name was a guy named Reynold. But he was commonly called Crassus. Crassus is a Latin nickname. It means fat. This guy was obese. He was massive. And he was horribly, horribly obese. After a heated battle, his younger brother Edward led a successful revolt against him and assumed the title of Duke over the lands. After this battle, instead of killing his brother... Edward devised a curious imprisonment. Listen to this. He had a room in the castle built around Crassus. The door was not locked. The windows were not barred. And Edward promised that he would regain his land and his title anytime he wanted to. All he had to do was leave the room. The obstacle to freedom was not in the doors or the windows. The obstacle to freedom was in his mind. Being grossly overweight, he could not fit through the door, even though it was near normal size. All he needed to do was diet down to a smaller size, and he could walk out a free man. That's all he needed to do. However, his younger brother kept sending him an assortment of tasty foods. And Reynolds' desire to be free never won out over his desire to eat. Some would accuse Edward of being cruel to his brother, but he would simply reply, my brother is not a prisoner. He may leave whenever he wills. His brother stayed in that room for ten years. You say, how did he get out? His brother was killed in battle. And they finally let him out. This is the experience of Christians. This is the experience of Christians. Jesus sets them free, forever free, that they may walk in the freedom from sin whenever they choose, but instead they keep yielding their body to the appetites of sin. They live a life of defeat, imprisonment, and discourage, and they wonder why. You see, we have freedom in Christ, right? But we keep giving into our old sinful nature. We present our members as tools of unrighteousness rather than righteousness. And, and the word there, members, it means parts of our body. What are some parts of our body? You talk about the, what are the members that we have? We have our hands, right? What are also, what are parts of our body? We have our eyes. What else? Our mouth, our ears, very all good answers. All gold stars. I want you to think about this for a minute. 
How many grew up in Sunday school? How many grew up in church, like Sunday school, when you were a kid? Uh, there was a, a, a child song. If you didn't learn this song as a child, it's worth teaching it to you now. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. For the Father up above, He is looking down in love. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. How many remember that song? Evan, did you ever learn that song? Yeah? No? <laughs> oh, be careful, little ears, where what you hear, right? Is it ears? Is it ears? It is ears. That's all right. I'm not going to make you sing, I promise. Is it ears? All right, that's good. So yeah, I cut the promise, man. <laughs> oh, be careful, little ears, what you hear, right? How many remember the song? Sing it with me. For the Father up above, He is looking down in love. Oh, be careful, little ears, what you hear. Oh, be careful, little hands, what you do. Oh, be careful, little hands, what you do. For the Father up above, He is looking down in love. Be careful, little hands, what you do. We have all these things we say. Be careful, little mouth, what you say. Right? Be careful, little mouth, what you say. Be careful, little feet, where you go. Come on. I know it's just a children's song and it seems a bit funny to sing it, but the truth of that song could be preached for the next five weeks. I, t- I kid you not. Don't present your eyes to view things that you know will lead to sin. Come on. Stop listening to garbage. How many ever heard this? These ears aren't trash cans. Ever hear that? I don't need to hear your junk. I don't need to hear that gossip. I don't need to hear that slander. These ears aren't trash cans. Stop engaging in sin. Stop going where you know you're not supposed to. And stop, stop, stop spewing poison from your mouth. If you want to live in righteousness with God, then stop allowing sin to control your life. You've been set free. You've been redeemed. You've been rescued. And it wasn't because of anything you did, but all because of what Christ did. Verse 14 says this, For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under the law, but under grace. The law was this impossible standard that nobody could live up to. But you're under grace now. The Bible says that sin will no longer have dominion over you. Stop using your old nature as an excuse of why you can't live a Christian life now. If you're allowing sin to control your life, it's because you're giving yourself over to the wrong master. Paul starts speaking in terms that the people in Rome would know very well. In America, for the most part, uh, the concept of being enslaved or to be a slave is mostly a foreign concept. When you feel you have no choice but to sin, you are enslaved to it. When you feel that you have no choice but to sin, you're enslaved to it. You might as well be wearing these chains of destruction. You might as well be wearing these chains of destruction. 
Sin is a destructive taskmaster. It's a destructive taskmaster. Ravi Zacharias says it this way. I love this. Listen to this. Sin will take you farther than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and cost you more than you want to pay. It's what sin does. I have a prayer this morning for you. My prayer would be that you would be set free from these chains. Amen? How many want to be set free from the chains that enslave you? How many want to be set free from the chains of sin in your life? How many don't want to live in shame and guilt and pain and agony anymore? You just want to be set free from the chains that bind you. And so sometimes we get to take the chain. Christ comes and when we give our life to Christ, we get to remove these chains. How many want to remove the chains off your life? I do. I don't want to live in slavery like that anymore. Ah. But be careful. Because there is another kind of slavery. next slide what then are we to sin because we are not under law but under grace by no means do you not know that you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves you are slaves to the one of which you obey either of sin which leads to death or of or of obedience which leads to righteousness you are either a slave to sin or you're a slave to righteousness. You see, when we take the chains of sin off of our lives, then it's time to put on different chains. These chains are lighter. These chains are pretty clean. The Bible says my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Amen? You see, you are slaves to the one you obey. You're either a slave to sin or you're a slave to righteousness. Now, I know it sounds strange when we think of slavery in modern terms. I mean, when we think of slavery, it, it only has a bad connotation. For the most part, every time you say a slave or slavery, it's only a bad thing. We're not talking about literally being in chains. We're not talking about someone who is being abused or malnourished or, or anything like that. But listen to what Paul says about this. Verse 17. But thanks be to God that you were, you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. And having been set free from sin, you now become slaves of righteousness. Paul says, I am speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. This is the best way Paul can present this truth to the church in Rome. With human limitations, natural limitations. 
For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. Where I was bound up before with my ears and my eyes and my feet and my hands, now I am a, now I am a slave to righteousness. So now my eyes look at good things. My mouth speaks good, edifying, encouraging things. Now wherever my feet go is to good places my hands do good things righteous things and it leads to sanctification it leads to being pure before the Lord the question this morning is a simple one it's really a very simple one who would you rather serve Who would you rather serve? To be a slave to sin leads to destruction. Leads to death. A slave to God leads to, leads to life. What does that mean? Where's the cross? Right here. What does that mean? Now I'm no longer bound by my flesh. I'm bound to the cross. Now I'm bound to His mercy. And I'm bound to His grace. And I'm bound to His righteousness. To be free doesn't mean that we can do anything we want without repercussions. To be free means that we have a choice in who we're going to serve. Amen? Go to the next slide. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at Time, what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you were now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. When you were bound to sin, you could take anything this world offers. When you were bound to sin, you could unrighteous sex, Chemicals that do everything they can to get you to escape. Wild parties, unending avenues of giving in to whatever your flesh desired. What was the fruit of it? But the fruit of it was death. The fruit of it was death. But when you were bound to God... When you are bound to God, listen to this. I don't mean just casual acquaintances on Sunday morning. I don't mean we talk to Him once a week or we're just Sunday morning buddies. I mean when we are bound to God, when we are united with Him, when we are close to Him, and when we're obedient to Him, when we're passionate about Him, when we're excited for His presence, when we're leaning on His guidance, when we're moved by His mercy, and we're grounded by His grace, I'm telling you, when you're united with Christ, that fruit leads to life.
The last verse of chapter 6 gives us a, a clear picture of what can happen in our lives depending on the path that we choose. It says this, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen? Amen. Stand with me this morning. I know this is a tough one. I know it's a punchy one. We, we, sometimes we just need to hear truth, right? Sometimes we just need to hear truth. We can't be slaves to sin anymore. We want to be slaves to God. Slaves of righteousness. So many times we go, you know, as Christians, we, I, man, I screwed up. I messed up. I'm not talking about Perfection. I'm not, I'm not talking about perfection. We have an advocate with the Father that when we do mess up, we don't have to remain wallowing in that sin and shame and guilt and destruction. Because we are united with Christ. Something happens in your life, reactionary, you think something, you say something, you see something, you do something, you go somewhere, you know you're not supposed to go. Stop living in sin, repent from your sins, and start following righteousness. Right when you recognize it, right when the Holy Spirit brings it to your mind, right when your husband or your wife speaks into your life and says with love, hey, there's something wrong here, you need to live differently. We have to understand that in the age of the modern church, we don't want to hear about sin. In the age of the modern church, we just want to be encouraged and, and lifted up. And the Bible says the wages of sin is death. It is absolutely real. It is absolutely true. And it is vital for people to understand that the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. Lord, I pray over those who are here this morning. Lord, who, Lord, those who can hear my voice. God, I, I pray that we would be dead to sin in our lives. That we would be slaves, not to our flesh, not to our body, not to our internal, outward, old nature. But Lord, that we would be slaves to righteousness. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ. Lord, I thank you for eternal life. Lord, I thank you for your love and your mercy and your grace. God, I thank you that we have an opportunity to repent and return to righteousness. You may be here this morning, you may say, Pastor David, I am stuck in sin. I claim to know Christ, but, but I am stuck in sin. I don't know how to get out of it. Pastor David, the chains are choking me. Some of us are, some of us are engaged in sin where you know it's wrong, 
It's premeditated. You know it's wrong. You say, well, the Lord will forgive me. Thank you for the grace of God. There's no grace there. There's no grace there. Not without repentance. There's no grace without repentance. When you turn from your sin and leads you to righteousness. Lord, I pray over those this morning, Lord, that Your Holy Spirit would convict them. That we would live a life of righteousness. Lord, I know this is a punchy message, but but God, You wouldn't have put it in the Word if You didn't want us to preach it. We thank You for Your truth, even when it hurts a little bit. We thank You for Your truth that that is given to, to rescue us out of our sinful nature. We thank You for Your truth that is there to rescue us out of that sinful, destructive lifestyle. We thank You for the blood of Christ. What was done at the cross. We thank You for Your mercy and Your grace. Lord, I I pray over all of those who are here this morning, Lord, that You would bless them. Lord, that You would keep them. God, that You would cause Your face to shine down upon them. Lord, that You would lead them towards righteousness. And that You would give them rest. We thank You for it in Jesus' name. Amen.